0: The number one question has been Gene Poss. Gene is still with us, uh, still in hospice. They gave him, you know, three days to a week, about two months ago. Uh, he's actually stronger than he was. He can walk with a walker. Uh, so uh, still a lot of issues, still hospice is needed, still thinking that, that heaven is close not as close as it was, Uh, and so please remember Gene. Anna Irving, Ron was pastor here for many years, and associate pastor here too. Uh, Anna's been in the hospital, goodness, a month through all of this time. And if you've had loved ones like Gene, only just immediate family can see him. Uh, In the hospital, Ron can't go see his wife, Anna, and they've been married a long time. And so please remember Ron and Hannah during this time. I know that they would appreciate that. A neighbor of ours, this is a new one, Lisa Odell. Lisa sits about where Kathy is right there, a headed lady, one of my neighbors. Lisa has been in the hospital, too, and uh, very sick during this time and needs your prayers. So please remember Lisa Odell. Not COVID-related. We have a neighbor, Bill Jones, who has COVID, and he's on the good side of it. He's getting stronger. So pray for my neighbor, Bill. I told him last night that we would mention him by name today. Uh, pray for healthcare workers. I bet they're tired. I bet they're they're just weary. Uh, for government leaders that need our prayer, that need wisdom when there's a lot of there's a great lack of it, it seems, in our society during this time. Pray for one another, uh, your neighbors, the days ahead. Uh, But I I wanted to do that first. Let's pray for these friends as we begin. Lord, thank you that we can be in this room today. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we have been safe and healthy. We pray, though, Lord, for each one that has had a job change, who have had tough times. We pray for those that are on our list. We pray for Gene and we thank you for for his life. We pray for Anna and for Ron. We pray for Lisa O'Dell, for Bill Jones. Father, we all have a big list of our own. Thank you for, again, your watch care over us and Help us to be wise and careful, but Father, help this to pass and help us to grow stronger as a result from it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During this time, uh, we've had several uh, deacons' meetings and, and uh, we've begun our, our leadership team, and we're segueing from uh, the deacons doing everything to a leadership team doing the business and a servant team doing ministry to the families of the church, and Mitch is going to come tell you more about that. We're going to have a church conference in a couple of weeks uh, to okay these, but he just wanted to give you an update on what's going on there, some really good news here.
1: Good morning to those of us in person, and uh, good morning to those joining us uh um, via technology this morning. As Deacon Chair, it's an honor to stand with you and to give you a brief update. You'll remember that in December, the church voted uh, and approved new articles of faith, uh, approved a new constitution and bylaws, and approved a manual of procedure. And in that, as pastor said, was a, a new team, a leadership team. And last Sunday morning at 8 a.m. the leadership team met uh, for the first time. Uh, Charlie Sewell, uh, Linda Stewart, uh, Cherie Bruckter, Teresa Swafford, uh, Harry, uh, Angeline, myself and Pastor are the leadership team and this uh, wonderful group of people will help with decisions between quarterly church conferences. We had a great first meeting But the important aspect of that team is what the team will do so that the deacons or service team, as we'll begin to call it, uh, will take on a new responsibility. And as Pastor said, uh, the deacons will uh, begin work on dividing the families of the church so that each of us as deacons or service team members uh, will, uh, will have a group of people that we become familiar with. We'll have a group of people that are important to us and special to us and become a point of contact for all of those people. And so we've, uh, we have, as deacons, elected four uh, new service team members. And uh, uh, they are uh, Sonia Westbrook, uh, a gifted teacher, a person who has been part of this fellowship for quite some period of time and invested herself into our church. Uh, Charlie Bennett, uh, Hal and Carol's son. Uh, Charlie is fresh and bright and uh, has ministry exposure and experience. Kathy Yocum, grew up in this church, um, a Danner before marriage, and um, what a wonderful family and heritage she brings. And uh, Paul Jordan, who usually sits right here in the front, an attorney by background, but... um, a gifted and talented man of God. And so these four are, will join the service team, the deacon team. Um, and we will affirm them on uh, May the 24th uh, with the word prayer. Um, you'll be here that day. and uh, and uh, But between now and then, you pray for each of these. Our first meeting as uh, deacons, uh, service team, um, will be on the 17th. Uh, so we look forward to all of them gathering with us and uh, beginning the conversation about how we distribute families in a meaningful way, so that we can um, we can be ministers. We've longed for this day. We, as deacons, been doing some work of the church and operations of the church, and that's been fun and fine. But God's definition for deacons and service team members is that we will. Uh, love one another and we'll model that love actively within the congregation and in our community. So thank you for just a few moments to let me update and uh, we'll go ahead.
0: Day, I doubt I've missed six weeks in a row in my life you've been that way of course I've been here and, and, and I want to thank Steve our cameraman uh, for being here every week uh, Ed has often been with him and that has enabled us to be online uh, Jeannie has been here every week too, helping and making sure that uh, we can get online, and she handles that part of it. Michael Beasley's not been here in the building, but because of Michael's expertise, we've been able to, to go online, and we appreciate that help. Teresa's been busy taking care of the offering and tithes. And I thank her for her work. Uh, she set up a PayPal account, um, and that has proved to be a good idea. We've chosen to do that instead of writing checks every week. Uh, PayPal's cut of our Titan offering is only 30 cents per transaction, so it's, it's a, a good convenience. Mitch has taught Sunday school online. Uh, so he's invaded your territory in the Fellowship Hall there, uh, and we appreciate him doing that. And his class has grown during this time of pandemic, so that is wonderful. I thought today that I would talk about some lessons that I've learned from the quarantine. Some of them are lessons that we probably have in common. Some are spiritual lessons, and others are not spiritually grounded at all. First, they're not the not spiritual lessons. Atlanta without traffic is awesome. Now, we don't really have anywhere to go, but how strange is it when you get on Roswell Road or Johnson Ferry or 285, and you don't have to yield or wait, you just
2: go. It has been
0: interesting. A phenomenon has happened of super speeders. In one week's time, they caught 21 people in Sandy Springs, either on 25 or 400, going over 100 miles an hour. Uh, They clocked a motorcycle on 400, going 172. Uh, They did not catch that person. They let them go. Uh, But Atlanta without traffic is awesome. So that's one of the things I've learned. Another thing that has just shocked me our kitchen works <laughs> the oven works the stove works it all works we have been eating at home uh, and, and it is amazing that we have done that and it's been good we've enjoyed ourselves um, I'm still puzzled about toilet paper I don't quite understand it but when you see it at the store it's interesting it's impossible not to touch your face have you noticed that it is hard not to touch my face Uh, every time I put a mask on if I go into a store I feel like I'm gonna rob it (laughs) it is just odd seeing that Uh, I've noticed this hair grows faster when you cannot get a haircut (laughs) I need a haircut. I've gotten real close to ordering a Slobe online. I've been stopped from doing that. This one is interesting. It's a good social experiment. Sneezing in public will get you dirty looks. Now, have you noticed that? You sneeze in public, and they're going to look at you or call. I've learned as a society we can do without Hollywood stars or professional athletics, but we can't do without delivery people, grocery clerks. Stock boys, the mailman, um, and healthcare workers. We can't do without it. And so it's interesting kind of seeing those that are really important in our society, the ones we elevate so much we can do without it. Life goes on, I've learned during this. I've done four
2: funerals
0: during the coronavirus. Nobody died of COVID in those four services, but they only usually allow about 10. It's great side on only about 10 people can make the cut, although I did one in Decatur that had a lot more than that. A lot of them wear masks. Everybody stands apart. Nobody hugs each other. There are a lot of things that we take for granted that have changed during this, but life goes on. I even got to do a wedding in Mississippi, in Oxford, Mississippi. Matt and Macy, who are in the back there, uh, were married. This was the Saturday before Palm Sunday. And it was the organist and the Preacher and the bride in the room. There were two photographers, mom and dad, mom and dad, a sister and a brother, and that was it. And it was a lovely wedding. And they are married and they come home from Mississippi and move in together and are quarantined together 24 hours a day. They're still together. As Matt said, we're still together, and I'm proud of that. Uh, It was a beautiful wedding. Uh, Easter was strange. not I, I guess I've fed people breakfast Easter Sunday morning for close to 40 years now. And we didn't have an Easter breakfast and we didn't have the Easter music. And, uh, a lot of you watched Easter service in your pajamas on Easter Sunday morning. We weren't able to go to Arlington. And I slept till 8 at 7.30 on Easter Sunday morning. I haven't done that, I can't tell you when. And so, a lot of lessons learned during this time. So let me get to the important part now. As we reflect and look back, it's fair to say that our experts are often wrong. Is that true? Our experts are often wrong. We began hearing that over two billion Americans would die from over two billion COVID 19, and then it was lowered to a million, and they kept lowering it. And, uh, actually, the numbers are debatable, but listed deaths in our country right now are right at 67,000. Two years ago, 61,000 died of the flu in our country. And so the decision was made to shut down our economy over this, and it was based on a best guess, and we're not too good at guessing. And Politicians and statisticians and some very learned people have been way off on predictions. And so that leads me to my very first spiritual point. And we touched on this Easter. And it's from Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Just let that sink in. It's been one of my favorite verses for a year. Everything God tells us is true. Cover to cover. Genesis to Revelation. Everything he has told us is true. You think of the prophecies that talk about his birth. You think of the prophecies about Easter. You think of the prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled, which will be fulfilled of his second coming. Everything God tells us is true. And no one else is a close second. Not a Republican, not a Democrat, not a Libertarian, not an Independent. No one has been close to this. But God always speaks the truth, and God is never wrong. We see so much untruth and so many wrong guesses, and then God always speaks. Second Samuel twenty-two thirty-one puts it this way: This God, His ways are perfect. The promise of the Lord proves true. He's a shield for all who take refuge in Him, and we have done that during this time. We've taken refuge in Him. With faith, it can be difficult. I cannot imagine trying to navigate this world without faith. So God always tells us the truth, and this is in direct contrast to Satan. Jesus said this, these words to those who worked so hard to arrest him and kill him about Satan. In John 8, the direct opposite of Christ, Satan. Jesus tells his followers, You are from your father the devil and you choose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So one of the great lessons to learn in all of this is that God's word is always true, always. This world will lie to you, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, but God will always speak the truth. And that is a great lesson to learn in your life. journey. Another lesson that I have thought about, and I wonder if you've had these thoughts uh, during this time. This world is ripe for an Antichrist. Have you thought about that during this time? This world is ripe for a false leader. In end times prophecy we're warned of a false Messiah that will lead the world. Several scriptures talk about this. I will read all of them. But let me read a couple. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 the first four verses tell us this. 2 Thessalonians 2 1 Dear brothers and sisters, let us clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we will be gathered to meet Him. Don't be easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them. Even if they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation or a letter supposedly from us, don't be fooled by what they say for that day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings peace Rush. He'll exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He'll sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God.
2: The Antichrist.
0: 1 John 2.18 tells us this. Children, it is the last hour. As you've heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. For this we know that it is the last the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation is also a place where you can read a lot about that. We won't do that today. Revelation 13 talks about it. Maybe left, you've read, it's been years since it came out, but the Left Behind series of books by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Newgess. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. It's 10 or 12 books. It'll take you a while, but it's a good read. Uh, they do a good job of characterizing the Antichrist and showing how that fits into this world Back to my point, the world is ripe for an Antichrist. If someone came out during this time of isolation and they said they had a cure for the virus and such a, a cure for the economic woes that have come, would this world give a listen to it? Absolutely. If somebody could come out and say, I've got the answers to all of these things, People are pushing towards a leader and trying to knock down borders and boundaries and make it a one-world government. I don't want to get all into a tangent, but this person will claim to be God. And now as a prepared Christian, you know that there will be no wondering when God comes back. It'll be the rapture. It'll be very clear when God comes back. But if you're not taught and you don't understand, you'll be deceived. About God coming back, we are told this. We won't doubt it. Matthew 24, 27 says this. As the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. When Jesus comes back, you're going to know. Luke 21 puts it this way, beginning in verse 25. There will be signs of the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the seas and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because redemption is drawing near. So we're going to know it when Christ comes back. There's not going to be any kind of rumors, any kind of thing on the news saying, you know, there's somebody over in Europe that's doing all this stuff. Could that be the one? It's not going to happen like that. The Antichrist. Jesus said about his return in Matthew 24, 35, and warning about people being deceived. When he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will this be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah. And they will lead me astray. In Matthew 24, beginning verse 23, we see this. If anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and produce great signs and omens, believe it astray, if possible, even the elect. That's us, if we're not careful, if we're not prepared. Take note, I've told you before him. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. They say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So during the quarantine, I thought about that. This world is all paying attention to what's going on. And it is right for an Antichrist. You probably even thought about all of the plagues in Exodus or all of the future plagues in Revelation during this time, how something can start somewhere far away and, like a moment. Spread. And spread in places you never thought it the church I was pastor of in Indiana I had at least five people in that congregation that had it, in a little small town in Indiana. One more thought. There's something much better than this world. There's something much better than where we are. There's another kingdom that we belong to that is just fine. And I celebrate that. Hebrews 13, 14 says This world is not our permanent home. We're looking forward to a home yet to come. Have you found yourself during this time looking forward to that home yet to come where none of this mess occurs anymore? I have. I have. I have shared with families at the graveside during these past several weeks that, you know, they're not worried about COVID, are they? They're not worried about the economic situation. They're in a much better place. In Matthew 6... Jesus tells us, beginning at verse 19, compared from this world to the next. Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break and steal. Store up treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break them and steal There's a difference between these worlds. Revelation 21 puts it this way. John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. But the old heaven the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city of New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them. They'll be his people. God himself will be with them. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things will be gone for. And I look forward to that. During this time of quarantine, I believe that many on this planet have a new appreciation for prayer. I have told some people recently that I would be praying for them, and once upon a time, they weren't really receptive to that, but now they are. I think there's a lot of people with their antennas up ready for the truth of God. I believe there's a great possibility of a third great awakening in the day's ahead. A time of revival. I'm not a prophet. I don't know. I do know that God is our holy hope. And now is a great time for us to be thankful for what we have. And to pray to God that people around us find Him. And there's a great revival in our world. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that you always tell us the truth, that every word is true. And because of that, you are our shield and we take refuge in you. Thank you that we are biblically prepared that in the truth we know that when you come we'll know it, that there won't be a doubt, that we know that many will come trying to deceive people. And the world will be ripe for that if they're not prepared. So help us to be prepared. Thank you that you we're connected, not all our eggs in this basket of this world, but we're connected to glory. And Father, thank you that that is our kingdom, our home, our citizenship is with you. We live in a fallen world. but You have prepared a place for us that we will celebrate in one day. Until then, Father, help us share the good news of Jesus with the world around us. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor upon you and continue to give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you soon. We are starting Worship We will meet this Wednesday night. We're going to meet it here. So there will be plenty of time, room for social distancing. Uh, And I wanted you to, to know that we will do that. God bless you. Thank you.